Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. You are very welcome. Michael, I have to start, I have to start by asking you a sort of a serious question. I, I, I don't and you and I, we don't want to we don't want to drift into uh, areas we don't want to drift into. Okay, sure. but 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 I want to ask you this question. You think Twitter is good for us, like as a society? Do you think it's good for us? Had it, I've had this discussion many times with many people. Yes. Is it a net positive or a net negative? Yes. I think that all told, it's a net positive because okay. when events occur that are that require rapid fire dissemination of information and a bunch of people that like find out things, get information quickly. Uh, and have a discussion, a sort of national, when a national discussion needs to break out about something, uh, or events are occurring uh, overseas where it's hard to get kind of rapid fire information. I think the benefits of that are, are tremendous and uh, yes. uh, and it's a very good thing. However, what also ends up happening is there's a lot of uh, idiotic stuff. There's a lot of vigilantism, which is obviously bad. There's a lot of false information that is also disseminated quickly. One can't help but think of the famous quote about <laughs> how the, the a lie can uh, go halfway around the world before the truth and get its pants on in the morning. Whatever that whatever that quote is. That by the way, I love what, a wonderful meta thing that happens is like people, including me, always cite that quote as an example of like the, the what's bad about false information. And we always, everyone always gets the quote wrong and then also misattributes right. it, totally which is <laughs> it's just great. It's like as Mark Twain one said and then no you find out well mark twain didn't actually say that uh but it's it's dicey there's a lot of stuff that is absolutely terrible about twitter i think but on the whole i think net positive where do you land well here's the thing i was thinking about today and 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 today i I don't know if you know this uh, some political stuff happened today you know some some stuff with with the president you know i'm not gonna go into it uh, because they, they, I could be saying this any day, obviously. Um, but here was the thing that I thought about today. I I, I went on the the Twitter uh, machine and and there was a somebody said, "Oh, I can't believe ESPN did this." And there was like a little video, all right. And it was a video of ESPN, I guess, doing some sort of fantasy football show of some kind, and they were doing an actual live auction. Uh, for fantasy football with like a real auctioneer. I guess somebody thought that would be funny. That's right. uh, unfortunately, he was up on a platform and he was holding up like little pictures of players and it it sort of resembled uh, a slave auction. And it, right. it was not, it was, it was very, you know. And I thought to myself, if it was not for Twitter... I never would have seen this. Like I never, I would never have seen it. I, I mean, I never would have thought about it. I would never have been watching a, a, a fantasy football show anywhere, and I have nothing to, against ESPN. But now I did see it, and it was like upsetting and stupid, and and it, it made me question what in the world is happening. And and I don't think that's good. I think that happens a lot on Twitter. That that's okay. the part I think is bad. Counter counterpoint though. Uh, yeah, obviously it's upsetting, uh, and it did. It led to one of my favorite games I like to play whenever things like that happen, especially at major media outlets like ESPN or something. And the game is called 
uh, how did we get here? How did we get here? <laughs> yeah, that's the game I play myself. And how, so how did we get here? So someone pitched this, and a producer said, like, yep, sounds good. Good, And then yep. they, got the, they got the props together, and all the props <laughs> people were like, well, I guess this is fine. And then they did a rehearsal, by the way, and no one, no one was like, hey, does this look a little like a slave auction to you, anyone else? No one said that. Or if they did, someone went like, I don't think so. I mean, it's a fancy oh, football thing. No. I think it's fine. And then it gets all the way to, like, they make it in the, in the edit bay. They edit it for hours and hours and hours. And they look at those. That seems, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't. No one has a problem with it. And then it gets all the way. And the, the instantaneous reaction of the entire world is. World. The whole world. The whole is, world. What are you doing? And then they must be like, oh, no. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they must instantly be like, oh, yeah, I see it now. I, I get it now. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I like playing How Did We Get Here? But the, the counterpoint would be that it is important for all of us to see when things go off the rails. With, sure, that's like true. It, the, the, the discussion, having these, it's the old uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? You want yes, these things yes, to be out in the open so that no one can bury the mistake. And the people who made the mistakes learn from the mistakes and they get better at their jobs and they stop making those mistakes. That would be the counterpoint, I would say. And and I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It was literally the first thing that came to my mind, though, was how did this, how how did we get here? I mean, that really was an astonishing, because it wasn't like the, the, like, as soon as I started watching it, like the, like you said, instantaneously, it's like that, the way that whole thing is set up with the people in seats, like underneath there and, and them being like raised up and that totally looks like a slave auction. There's really no conceivable other way to even look at this. And yet, obviously, a bunch of, I would assume, smart people who who certainly would not have wanted. I mean, there was certainly no intent here, obviously. So they looked at that and they went, no, that's that's sort of a fantasy football auction. That's 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 all that is. I, I that's don't right. even. That's yeah, so it's weird. Fine. Everything's fine. You did the ultimate uh, the number one, maybe all time. How did we get here? for me was the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner. Oh, it's so true. Because what's wonderful about that is like, okay, Kendall Jenner, I think it's Kendall Jenner. It's one of the, it was the, I think it was Kendall Jenner. I believe that's right. So, um, you know, to get her to do an ad, they probably paid her. It's in the millions of dollars, whatever. And then the production value of that ad was enormous. They had, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of extras, and um, they must have had four or five cameras rolling, and that probably took at least an entire day, if not two or three days, to shoot, and they hired some kind of big ad company to do it, and it looked incredible. The production value was extremely high. That's a, that's a, I don't know, I'm t- going to take a while, I guess. That's a, that was a $5 million production. Oh, sure. Now, and at least, right? I mean, I could be way off, but if I'm way off, I think I'm off low. So right. you're, low. you're off low. Yeah, so uh, so, but at no point did any of the. I mean, and SNL did a, a very funny little skit about this, uh, a sketch rather, where uh, involving um, the director of the ad, who kept ha- calling people and telling people about the ad while he was shooting the ad, and it was clear that the people on the other end were like, "This is a this is a disaster." And he's like, <laughs> they're like well, I've, "I've got all these people here. I don't know what to do. Like, isn't it possible that it'll be seen this way?" No, it won't. This is a this is going to ruin my career. Okay, uh, and uh, it was very very funny, and it it was exactly the right take, which was like, someone at some point must have said something, and it, they everybody chose to ignore it. And the it, what was wonderful about that version of how did we get here was how 
overwhelming and instantaneous it was, like from every corner of the globe. I mean, that ad couldn't have been available to the public for more than about three hours before. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like months and months and months of planning and shooting and editing and money and everything else. And then just instantly, it was not only gone forever, but was like a national embarrassment (laughs) that the company, that like the Frito-Lay company had to probably do another $30 million of like damage control just to get back to where they were before it aired. Well, that's what's so funny. I have a very good friend who's a crisis manager and he said, you know, it was, you know, with everything. And then we're not even talking about, you know, the actual production value, whatever. He goes, that the decision to to do that ad was a $50 million decision. Like with everything, all the people who were involved, you know, obviously you hire the best firms, you you, you make the best decisions, you, you go after the star, you do all of these different things. He's like, that is company-wide, that's a $50 million decision. And right. instantly it's like you've just, not only could you have just burned that money, you literally could have just, just given it to charity or whatever. Um, it would have saved you the $30 million on the other end to fix it. Like that is, that is a disaster on, on just the highest level. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. We'll think of others. (laughs) We'll think of others as we go. That should be a segment in the, how did it, the, how did we get here segment of the podcast should, should be there. I love that. Um, Now we're going to, we're going to play, we're going to do a draft, but I wanted to real quick play a little game with you. Sure. uh, To, to like, it's a, it's a mid August. Let's go. It's a new segment. It's called the Mid-August Baseball Check-In. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making this up. Are there, I love this. A, a spin the around mid-August league. Baseball Check-In. Yeah. I was, I was noodling around uh, looking at baseball statistics, which is what I usually do. Yes, that's what work. I do, too. That's all we do. Uh, and uh, I have the, just a couple of the couple real quick little trifles, little funny, interesting stats about the baseball world here right now where we sit. It's 6.15 p.m., uh, West Coast time on Tuesday, whatever this, August 15th. There we go. Mid-season, mid-August baseball check-in. Are you ready? Perfect. I'm going to ask you some questions. You try to answer the questions. Here we go. I will Are try you... my best. Okay. okay. So question number one, in the American League, okay. uh, the top three uh, players in batting average uh, are all on the same team. Name the team and name the players. Ooh, well, okay. I can certainly name the team. It's got to be the Astros. That's right. Uh, because I do know that uh, Altuve is leading the league in, in hitting. That's uh, right. Or was the last time I checked. So now I have to come up with two other Astros who are actually, I would never have guessed that there were two more Astros. Um, so I'm going to have to guess uh, Correa, I That's guess. That's right. So Altuve is number one at 363. Correa is number two at 320. 363. How about that? Yeah, how about but it? A, what a force. What a yeah, force. The best. Uh, Correa, good. Yeah, Correa, that's good. All right, so then the third one, I mean, Springer? I'm going to say George Springer is my, my my choice. Number three is Marwin Gonzalez. Oh, Marwin, having a great year. A shockingly Listen, great year. So here's our here, midseason, August, whatever it is, checkup factoid number one. Marwin Gonzalez is having probably a better offensive year than Carlos Correa. Who saw that coming? Wow, they have basically wow. they have basically the same number, exact same number of red bats and hits. Gonzalez has more doubles. They have the same number of home runs. They have this exactly essentially the same number of RBIs. Gonzalez has five stolen bases. How many does Carlos Correa have? Uh 
not many. Zero. He has zero. zero. Wow. Wow. Base. Isn't that weird? That blew well, my mind. They don't run, right? That Astros yeah. team, did. that's sort of the new, they don't run, really, do they? I mean, I... I, I, I well, I, Altuve has 26. I mean, Yeah, well, Altuve does run. Yeah. Yes, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's... Well, does Springer, that, does Springer have any stolen bases? I mean, Springer he has, has four stolen bases as, yeah, a, I'm as, saying, a, as a leadoff hitter. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, but but uh, this is this is the point of this is to say I know batting average is stupid, but th- th- a couple crazy things here. The top three are all on the same team. That's got to be pretty rare on August fifteenth. Also, yes. number ten. They also have Springer is in the top ten. He's number ten. So he is hitting three hundred or so. He's hitting three hundred three. Yeah. But okay. the OPSs of those four players: Altuve, Correa, Gonzalez, and Springer. 995, 966, 959, wow. 953. They have four wow. they're they're four they have four of the 950 plus OPS hitters in the American League. And by the way, there are not many of those. In fact, no. how many do you think there are total? 950 OPS players right uh, now in the American League. 950 or above uh 8. There are 6. Oh. Four of them are those four Astros. The others are Aaron Judge who leads the league. And Justin Smoke having a crazy bounce back yeah, uh, year. Yeah, crazy Toronto. year for there Justin yeah. Smoke. Yeah. That's um, wild. Okay. So there that's, you go. That's the, really if, you, good if you want to know why the Astros are on pace to be one of the greatest offensive teams of all time, just know that they have four 950 OPS players in their lineup. <laughs> and then, by the way, a bunch of other great hitters. Like, that's, they're not done with with those guys. They also, I mean, like, Alex Bregman is a good hitter, and he's like, you yes. know, he, you don't even think about him. And they have Redick. And they have, uh, you know, everybody. They have, oh, and Mariznick uh, is having a good year, Marisnik, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, they're loaded. They are absolutely loaded. All right, next. Marwin uh, Gonzalez, I want to say this. Marwin Gonzalez is slugging 567. That's, that's preposterous. It really preposterous. is. It is exactly yeah. preposterous. Um, yeah, they're amazing. Who right now leads the league? I'm doing all dumb stats. I'm doing old-timey non-saber I like stats. It. Who I like leads... It. The National League in wins for as a pitcher. Who leads the National League in wins? Boy, I haven't looked at wins in a long time. Uh, I am going to say the leader in the National League in wins is Max Scherzer. Close. Uh, it okay. is Clayton Kershaw, who has not really seemingly in forever. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Clayton Kershaw, as of August 15th, even though he missed time earlier and missed time again, is still not pitching, still, still leads the league and wins at 15. Uh, then you've got a bunch of Scherzer's 12. I mean, who cares, right? They're wins. Right, but right. Uh, a friend of the show, Zach Grinke, is second with 14 He's second? Wins. There you go. Well, but here's yeah. a question. And what what and, if, I was going to say, what if Kershaw steals the Cy Young based on wins? I mean, he wouldn't uh, be stolen. Obviously, he's going to have a great year, but he's also leading the league in ERA, isn't he? I mean, I think he's leading he the league is, in yeah. ERA still. He is leading the league in ERA. I mean, I don't. Would any who would object to that? He, Nobody would object to it. But <laughs> you know. but I don't think he's he's probably not leaving leading in WAR. I wouldn't imagine in pitcher WAR is he? He's he... not leading in pitcher WAR. Scherzer, I believe, leads in pitcher WAR. Uh, at least okay. to the uh, the B ref WAR. Um, but you know the there are four. Uh, pitchers right now with a whip under st- starting pitchers in baseball with a whip under one. Those pitchers are Scherzer, Kershaw, Sale, and Kluber. Those are your f- essentially your four. Those are your main four Cy Young candidates at this point. I in agree. Each day, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Um, but you I just thought was, a, go ahead. I was, 
I was going to say, you know who is having a crazy good year? And I just saw this. I, I This was, you know, you want to talk about sort of in our, in our mid-August check-in. Somebody who I was totally unaware was even having a, like a good year. I had no idea uh, until I went to the ballpark. I went to a Nationals game last week and watched Gio Gonzalez pitch. Yes. Gio Gonzalez is having like a crazy good year. Old friend Gio Gonzalez. I say old <laughs> friend because he's our old friend. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, he is having. He is third in the le- in the National League in ERA, two forty nine. His WHIP is one thirteen. He is third in pitcher WAR, I believe, overall in all of baseball. Just, yeah, and just, it is all. It, here, here's the thing. It's a little unsustainable. He has one hundred and forty two strikeouts and sixty one walks. Yeah, he has that's walked, a lot of walks. Yeah. He's walked twice as many people as Chris Sale has this year, and obviously Chris Sale is a freak. But twice as right. many. He, he's basically no one else who uh, who's in the like, you know top twenty in ERA is really even close to him in walks. You have to go all the way down to Robbie Ray. I guess Robbie Robbie Ray is fifty eight walks, but also nobody thinks that Robbie Ray is you know the second coming. So right. there, there, yeah, he's it's a he's gotten a little lucky. He's he has uh, given up very few hits. He's given up one hundred and fourteen hits in one hundred and fifty five innings. So he's getting a little bit lucky with his hits and a little bit lucky with the n- number of guys he's walked. But I love that he's having a good year. I love that the you know the Nationals have if Strasburg is healthy, the Nationals have three really good pitchers heading into the playoffs. So. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, very exciting. Now, here's my final question. Uh, okay. In in our mid-August, what's it called? Mid-August. Mid-August baseball check-in. check-in. Baseball, check, baseball <laughs> check-in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's come up with music for that. <laughs> yeah, we need a theme for the. <laughs> we do it. You know, it's a classic thing. We do it every year. It's a classic thing. We do it every year. We really do. <laughs> we April, really do. The August 15th, <laughs> mid-August baseball check-in. Famous, famous segment on the show. Uh, it's Tuesday, like I said, 6.23 p.m. West Coast time. The question for you is, has Giancarlo Stanton homered today? Oh, good question, because I have not been following. I'm going to guess you. I, I assume you know the answer to this. Mm-hmm. I am going to guess yes. Of course he has. He's Giancarlo he's Stanton. Home- he, he, homers he homers every day. day. <laughs> <laughs> how could you even? How could you even hesitate? He homered in the third inning off Madison Bumgarner. Wow. Uh, solo homer, number 44 on the year. Have you ever, in recent history, what is the thing you would compare this to, this streak that he's on? He homers every day. He's he homers every 40, day. He's got 44. Uh, he's, his, slugging, his, his OPS is now, he's, I think it's higher than judges. Uh, he's rocketed up the, up the charts of OPS. How, who do you, what's the last person who had like a two-week streak like this that you can remember? Because I, I can't remember anybody. The only thing I can compare it to, so I just wrote about him, and and, and I should say, uh, and it's important to say, it's not just that he's hitting a home run every day. He's hitting a bomb every day, yeah, like a 440-foot right. home run every single day. It's, it's insane. The only thing I can even come close to comparing it to, to me, is that Mark McGuire stretch. In 98, right. 90, the end of 97, and kind of early in 98. Didn't he have like a – I mean, Sosa had that crazy June, right, that he did. He yeah, had like he had 20, 20 in, June, in June, right? Yeah. Right, right. But I remember McGuire, it was, it was just like this, in that he hit a homer every day, and it, every one of them was like ridiculous bomb and and, and all of that. Uh, obviously, we have a you know pretty good sense of what that period was like, and, and, and you know it was very different than it is now. Yeah. Um, 
I, 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 there's nothing else for me to compare it to. I mean, it's not, this guy is, he is, we've, what I wrote about was, and I think we've talked about Stanton before, he's impossible not to love, in my view. I mean, people find ways to dislike everybody, but he's like this big monster and he's lovable and he's fun and he's got the beautiful swing and he hits the greatest looking home runs, I think, in the game today. And I think we've been waiting forever for this. Like, you know, it's like he's been he's been very good. He's led the league in home runs, but he's also been injured a lot and he's kind of been inconsistent and the batting averages dipped low. And this year he wasn't having that good a year, like the first two months of the year. And now he's just this joy. I mean, he's just like he is he is the must watch moment person in baseball at the moment. And I love it. I, I just think it's so much fun. And he's doing it for a team that's not going anywhere. Nobody cares. Nobody goes to, to games there. I mean, it's it's really it's special. The it's, yeah, the it's the best. I yeah. love him so much. I do, too. <laughs> I want to be too. his friend. Um, so, here, so here's the last thing we're going to do now okay. uh, in our, our mid-August, mid-August MLB baseball <laughs> check-in. Uh, I am going to name players. Okay. And you are going to say yes or no whether you think right now, as of this moment, they have the classic slash line 300, 400, 500. So guys Three. who have a 300 batting average, 400 on base percentage, 500 slugging. Okay. Just yes or no, do they have it? And then at the end, there's a there's going to be one kind of crazy bonus question for you. Okay. So start go. with the aforementioned Marwin Gonzalez. Is Marwin Gonzalez 300, 400, 500? Well, I'm, I'm going to cheat on that one because I did look up his slugging percentage. I know he does not have a 400 uh, on base, uh, uh, so I think it's okay. like 392 or something. I did so just look that one up. So the very well, that first one I, I guess you cheated. One. <laughs> I cheated, totally cheated on that, fully being aware that this was what you were going to come with me. You know, at me. <laughs> uh, Justin, Justin Turner. Justin Turner. Mm. I'm going to say the batting average is high enough. I'm going to say yes. Justin Turner is leading the National League in hitting right now. Basically. Right, right. Yes, he is at 346, 436, 573. Yeah, 573. Justin, Justin Turner very quietly, because he's about 100 at-bats uh, shy of the rest of the league because he was hurt. Right. Justin Turner is dominating the National League <laughs> in a way that no one has any idea about because he plays out here in L.A. I have watched right. this guy play all year. He's an absurdly good hitter. I saw – I went to the game on Sunday – he hit an opposite field three-run homer in, like, the third inning and then a, a deep home run to left field, like, two innings later. This guy's a – Justin Turner's a monster, and I'm very He's excited for him to go to the player – to go to the postseason and have people see uh, see what's going on there. Okay, Aaron Judge. Is Aaron Judge 300, 400, 500? Boy, Aaron Judge has been slumping pretty significantly uh, over the last few weeks. I know he's got the – I know he's got the uh, the slugging – I don't know about the batting average and, and on base. I'm going to say no. That is correct. He has fallen oh. under the 300 mark. He's a 288 going into today. But he still has the 400 slugging. I mean, on base no, then. 400 on base, 419 that's, and 605. So he's, that's he's impressive. Le- he leads the American League in uh, in OPS at 1025. Wow. Um, uh, okay, one more, and then, I'm gonna, and then we'll shift to the end here. Last yes. one, uh, uh, Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa. So I know he's hitting 320. We just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Does he have the 400 on base percentage? I think he's got the slugging. He's got to have the slugging. Um, 
All right, I'm going to say no. He doesn't have the on base. He does exactly oh. 400 start of business today. Wow. <laughs> so wow. Right off the nose. By the way, this, this describes to you how incredible it is to have Edgar Martinez's 300, 400, 500 for a career. I mean, think oh, it's about it. insane. That. Yes. It's insane. That's right. It's there's, absolutely there's, insane. Like, we're naming the very, very best hitters in baseball, and some of them don't have some what he does. Have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down every... I'm going to go down every player who is 300, 400, 500, except for one, and then you're going to try to guess the last one. Okay? All right, here we go. So, here we go. Joey Votto, of course, the greatest course. hitter in the world that no one knows about or cares about. How, Joey how Votto. about them putting four outfielders <laughs> to try to stop him? And then him doubling to right. It's the best. They, they, Joe Madden put four people in the outfield, and he hit a double to the outfield. He's Joey He's the poor best. Joey Votto. Uh, God bless him. I. I I want Joey Votto to, uh, to. I want us to be able to fast forward right now to his Hall of Fame speech, so that we can, so that we can feel good about ourselves. Uh, obviously, Bryce Harper also has yes. that. He's uh, having it as usual. He's bounced back from his injury plagued 2016. Is having an absurd year. Paul Goldschmidt, of course, of course, who much like Joey Votto, no one knows about or cares about, but is like the best hitter in all of baseball. Maybe Talked the MVP. Judge. Maybe the yeah, MVP. Yeah, he he might be. Yeah, talked about Judge. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton does not qualify. His batting average is not high enough. Right. Uh, Justin Turner has a 300, 400, 500. Charlie Blackman does not. Uh, Altuve does. Okay. Yeah, he uh, Blackman's on base isn't high enough. Uh, yeah. Altuve well, does. Road. Right. Correa does now. So that's it, except for one more guy. There's one more guy besides those guys, besides Votto, Harper, Goldschmidt, Judge, uh, Turner, uh, Altuve Correa. There is one more player who currently is 300, 400, 500. Can I'm you name that player? Can yes. you I'll name give that you, player? Give me a hint. I'll give you a hint is he's a, plays in the National League on a, uh, and a, he plays in the National League. If you don't get it off that, I'll give you one more hint that should tip it over. Okay. So he plays in the National League. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to think of just, is it Nolan he, Arenado? Nope, Nolan Arenado is close, but he okay. uh, only has a 361 on base. So oh, okay. he's on okay. this, this. So I'll give you two more hints. This player is on a playoff bound team. Ooh, a playoff bound team. Playoff okay. bound team. That's the only hint I'll give because right now there's only a few teams that are certain. Right? No, no. Bound. So that's, that's that, that that gets me down. Okay. Um, I I don't think I don't think it's Corey Seager, although he's having a great year, uh, as always. Uh, and I told you I sat next to the Seager. Family on the way back from the yeah. Austrian game. So nice. So nice. Um, oh, I know who I'm going to say. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know how cold he's gotten, but based on his incredibly hot start. Oh, I know who it is. I actually know who it is. It is. Um, and I'm, and I'm of course, totally blanking on his name. Um, <laughs> no, but I know. I know who it is because like, he's having this incredible MVP type year and nobody is even talking about him. Um, Plays on the Nationals. Yeah. No, it's Anthony Rendon. There you go. Anthony Rendon. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Rendon, yeah. who much like Joey Votto and Paul Goldschmidt is the best hitter in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it I went so I went to Wrigley for the first time as we talked about last week and the, I saw the uh Nationals play the Cubs and when Rendon's stats came up on the on the outfield uh, fence I thought it was a mistake. I thought they yeah. were like Harper's <laughs> stats that it accidentally but Anthony Rendon is having a ridiculous year. Ridiculous year. And by the way, Dusty he, Baker had him hitting like seventh or something. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to do a whole podcast on Dusty Baker because I've become 
entirely fascinated with Dusty Baker. You know, Dusty Baker has a better record than, than uh, uh, well, almost anybody. I mean, almost anybody. And, you know, because he had the, the playoff disappointments and all of that has never been, you know, never won a World Series or whatever. Uh, you know, we all have this, you know, feeling about Dusty and, and he's he's consistently uh, earned that, you know, with some of his with some of his moves and some of his decisions and and, and whatever the case may be. But Dusty Baker is I mean, he's he's going to be in the top 10, assuming he keeps going, which, of course, the Nationals have not given even given him a uh uh, you know, any kind of extension or anything. So, I, you know, you don't know for sure. But assuming he goes on for two more years, he's going to be in the top 10 in wins. His win percentage is, like, way better than, like, Bruce Bochy or almost anybody else. Um, and yet we all kind of just think he's, oh, old Dusty. You know what I mean? They're just, oh, <laughs> bless his heart, old Dusty, you know? and and But he's got an incredible record, an incredible record. It's weird, yeah. really weird. Just to wrap up the uh, to wrap up the baseball midseason August uh, MLB spin around the league uh, check in check in uh, yeah Corey Seager is two on base percentage points shy of the Magic yeah, 300 I, I knew he was having I mean he, you yeah. know what he's just one of those guys who like this is going to be his like eleventh best year That's you right. know what I mean don't, don't you think I mean it's like it's like he's doing this and everybody's like eh, all right come back to us when you're you know, hot yes, again. He you is, know? Everyone is already taking his excellence for granted. That's what's happening <laughs> with Corey Seager. <laughs> um, <And> then, <laughs> a couple other uh, kind of uh, news and notes, odds and ends from this little exercise. Uh, Daniel Murphy is also very close. He's at 332, 385, 586. So he's just a few walks shy. He, but he's, he, he became a superstar. He just yeah. became a superstar. Just said, that's it. I'm a superstar now. Now here's the, and here's the most shocking one probably of all. Tenth in the league in on base percentage at 400 exactly, hitting 309, slugging 492. So only wow. like basically if he hits a home run in his next at bat, he joins this club. <laughs> Tommy Pham. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? Tommy, Tommy Pham. Pham. Wow. Yes. Yes. So St. You know Louis Cardinals in middle infielder basically by trade, right? Like or you know he, I think he's in left for them now. I'm just going to say go this. Ahead. I'm just going to say this. Tommy Pham is now the official baseball player of the podcast. <laughs> what is, we need to make Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham is hitting 300, 400, 500, essentially. Come on. Nobody yeah. even knows who Tommy Pham is. So he's our new Matt Caesar. He's right? our new Matt Caesar. Matt Caesar. It didn't work out for yes, Matt. He's... We loved Matt, but it didn't work out that great. He's on the Padres now, I think, Matt Caesar. I think he is on the Padres. Yeah. Tommy Pham, and he spells it awesomely, right? It's P-H-A-M. P-H-A-M, that's right. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right, so Fan, we're officially, I, so this, announce, we're announcing right now. Our, I say we uh, announce We it. support Tommy Pham, and, and our goal to is to root him on to, to hit, to end the year at 300, 400, 500. That's right. That is, that is, I, I'm going to put all my efforts toward it, toward Tommy Pham. <laughs> It should be noted that like uh, that like Turner, he's uh, I don't know if he missed time. I assume he missed time due to injury, but he's also about a hundred at bats shy of everybody else. He's only got three hundred and twenty at bats or something. So uh, it's a it's a little bit uh, maybe a little bit of a fluke, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to root for it. This is what and, we're and he's like thirty, right? I mean, it's like he's never really done any. I mean, this is like his first full relatively full season right in the big league so i think so he, i think he had one last year but I, I could be wrong so anyway yeah i'm all for tom tommy fam 
totally all for Tommy Pham. There we all go. right. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, thank our sponsor. Let's do that. We both should have done that at the beginning of the show, but um, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, so our sponsor, of course, is uh, Volvo. Uh, you probably are aware the Midsommar sales event still going on. We're still in Midsommar. How about that? Very exciting. Uh, join us for our Midsommar sales event and get up to $4,500 on select Volvo vehicles. Enjoy standard features like keyless entry, rear park assist camera, navigation system, and more. But hurry, summer doesn't last forever. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. Visit your local Volvo dealer for details. Offer excludes all V90, XC90 Momentum, and XC90 Excellence. Standard features vary by model. See your dealer for details. So there you go. Well, now I'm realizing that I should have called our segment the Midsommar Baseball <laughs> Roundup. That's what you call it. Forget about mid-August. It should be Midsommar yeah. Baseball Roundup, right? You know, last week, for, for one week, we had a producer. It was really exciting. Um he he took this week off. He's this, apparently it was a pre-planned vacation. Like <laughs> sure, yeah, it was. sure, sure. <laughs> he he's never coming back. We know that. We know he's never coming back, and and we don't blame him for that. Um, but he would have been able to just insert that right in there, right? He would have just said, you would have been like, welcome to the mid sobar. You know, it would have just put your some voice sure. over your thing. That would have been awesome. Also, uh, Tommy Fam update. He's one for four tonight with a single. It's so not going to help him. Not going to help him. Yeah. T- Tommy, Tommy. Come pick on, it Tommy. Up. <laughs> pick it up, Tommy fam. All right, we have a fantastic. This is I'm just going to say it right up front. This is my favorite draft. I just this is it. This is my favorite draft. Before and the reason my it. before we even do it, I don't care because there's no way it can go bad. Uh because there's this is it. This is the first well, we've done this before. We've had drafts like this before where there are no wrong choices, none, zero wrong choices, right. and we're just rooting for each other. There's there's no competition in my mind in this draft. I mean, this is we're just we're just all we want is the other to to succeed. That's right. It's a team. It's essentially a team effort. We're, it's a team effort. We're it's a rival team GMs here, but we're, but we want both of our teams to succeed. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a golf you know sort of a golf like gentlemanly golf match at the end. You know, where it's like, I, you know, sure, I want to win, but I want you to to play great. I, I'm rooting for you as as much as I'm rooting for me. It's, we it's, may uh, have to, we may have talked about this before, but have we talked about the? I read this book when I was a kid. Of it was called Strange but True Sports Stories. Did you have that book? Uh, I'm sure I had Strange but True Sports Stories. Yes. Yeah, I think it was in this book. There was a thing that I read about Wimbledon, which was that when Wimbledon started in the 19th century, the I, the tennis in general, and specifically British tennis for obvious reasons, was about being gentlemanly and sporting. Yes. And so yes. the object of the game was to hit the ball over the net in a place where you where your opponent could return it. That was the goal. <laughs> and uh, if you accidentally hit a winner. Uh, which you weren't supposed to do because that isn't gentlemanly, the other person would say, oh, I say, old man, good shot. Well done, well done. And then you would say, no, 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 I, my uh, sincerest apologies, my friend. I, uh, and he would go like, no, 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 uh, well well played, sir, well played. And they would spend like, you know, three or four <laughs> minutes like bowing and scraping to each other and apologizing for hitting the shot and then saying, no, well done. And every, people would applaud and whatever. And I feel like that, basically that's what we're doing here. For this draft, we're we're when you make a good selection, I'm going to praise you, and you're going to deflect you're going to deflect any kind of credit back onto me for just being a person who was near you when you made the choice. It's all one big happy, it's, mixy, mixed up family. It, I I love it. I love it. By the way, my, my favorite tennis thing, and I think I read it in something similar to 
uh, strange but true sports uh, stories. Uh, my favorite tennis thing was about Bill, I guess with Bill Tilden, um, used to like purposely get behind like six love, like in two set match, you would literally get behind six love, five love, 40 love, purposely get behind so he could come back and win. Like, like that was the only thing that was interesting to him was to like, sure. you know, he was that much better. Um, and I always remember thinking, man, Bill Tilden was a jerk. I mean, that's such a jerky thing to do. <laughs> it's basically Inigo Montoya sword fighting left-handed, right? It is, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but he didn't know that the other guy was left-handed too. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, our draft is our favorite things about the Rafael Devers home run off of her oldest Chapman on Sunday. That's it. That is that is our draft. That's right. That is our whole draft. By the way, it is Devers. It is not. It's not Devers. Is that true? I thought it was Devers. Maybe it is Devers. I think it might be. De- <laughs> as soon as I said Devers, I was like, I don't think that's right. I think it's Devers. <laughs> Apologies to Raphael uh, sure. Devers. Who, but you, you know what? I don't need to apologize because you are the star of our draft. We are literally drafting our favorite things about that home run, and we're, we're we, have, we, you know, we'll have five each, so we'll have ten. But there are ten thousand great things about that home run. Uh, so I'm going to let you start. You get the first pick since it is your team. Uh, this happened Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, ninth inning, the Red Sox down uh, by a run. Uh, Aroldis Chapman on the mound, and Rafael Devers hits the home run, tying it. You get the first pick. It's very hard to choose. I mean, I've got I've so essentially got things. I've got twenty number one draft choices here. <laughs> Me too. Down. Me too. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm literally gonna go in no particular order because I'm gonna just celebrate how many great things there are about it. <laughs> Um, my first one is going to be non-Red Sox-Yankees-specific. It's going to okay. be that it was lefty-on-lefty. Lefty. Yes. That's, that's the first. That's my top pick. A lefty-on-lefty lefty home run is a rare thing. It is so rare, in fact, that in this case, the lefty in question, Araldis Chapman, had not given up another home run to a left-handed hitter since Luke Scott in 2011. <laughs> and now, obviously— so obviously he's a he's a relief pitcher. He doesn't face that many left-handed guys. He throws 103. He doesn't give up that many home runs. In fact, this is the first home run he'd given up all season. But that is a crazy statistic. It had been six years since a left-handed hitter hit a home run off of this left-handed pitcher. So just uh, in general, a lefty-lefty home run is a wonderful thing. And in this case, this with this particular lefty, I think it's an outrageous uh, treat that we were given that he and, and he went the other way. Wait, that's a separate thing. I shouldn't be able to claim that. It's, yeah, it's a lefty. That lefty on, my my pick is lefty on lefty. That's my top choice. And 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 you know, good good show, good show, excellent pick. Um, <laughs> I the lefty thing on lefty is is you know statistically, as you mentioned, it's it's all but impossible. Visually. It's even more impossible, right? I mean, like you're you're watching a lefty throw, especially you know as hard as he throws, and and the other guy is is like there, and I don't know if it's because we've just grown used to it or whatever. It feels like this is humanly impossible to hit a home run if you're a left-handed batter against this guy. It's like humanly impossible. I don't I don't even know how it, it's done. So excellent pick. I'm gonna go with sort of a similar vibe with my first pick. Um, I'm going to go with the fact that it is probably, now we don't know for sure, we're not going to be able to 
go back in time and ever really figure this out. But based on the information we have and what we appear to know at this moment, it is probably the fastest pitch ever hit for a home run. So it was 102.8 miles an hour, essentially 103 miles an hour. There has never been a 103-mile-an-hour pitch hit for a home run before this one. Uh, that is so awesome. To do it in that moment, at that time, to hit a 103-mile-an-hour pitch for a home run, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So my first pick is pure speed based on on the fact that, that he hit the fastest pitch ever for a home run. It's a, that's a great choice. Well played. Well done, sir. No, good winner. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I mean, certainly there is a decent chance that Nolan Ryan threw a pitch Maybe. faster Maybe. than this. Someone hit for a home run. But regardless, it's cur- the current official record holder, and that's something else uh, that's wonderful. My second pick is going to be that Raphael Devers is 20 years old. <laughs> now... <laughs> You forget this because, as we've discussed on this podcast many times, the number of insanely talented baseball players under the age of, let's say, 25 is got to be greater now than it has ever been at any moment in the history of baseball. There, right. if you look at the, if you look at those, you know, those 300, 400, 500 guys. So, how many of them are 25 or under? 26 or under? So many of them, and then there's a million others. I mean, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout is still like just turned 26, uh, which is insane. And uh, all these guys are so absurd. And now there's, you know, who knows what happens to Devers in his career. May it be long and fruitful. But regardless, he was playing in his like 15th game. I know. He's he's playing for the Red Sox. He's 20 years old. That means he's base. He's closer to age. He's he's like my son is is nine. He's in he's third grade, and he's basically half as old as a guy who just did that. That's crazy. Uh, and to hit a home run off of Araldis Chapman in the ninth inning of a game at Yankee Stadium when you're 20, he can't drink. He can't buy it. He cannot go out and celebrate with a beer at a bar. Well, he's in New York. He can probably get into a bar. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that the 20 years old, I mean, that's absurd. It's absurd. Good pick. Excellent choice. Well, well played. Oh, thank you, friend. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he's 20 um, is, you know, it's it's so crazy because this is the first time that he's ever been in this situation, right? In this moment, in this situation. I swear, I do not understand. I, I realize that that baseball players, all athletes, all great athletes, they're they're wired differently than we are. They're just wired differently. And obviously, they've had extreme success wherever they've been. They've built up this insane confidence. Uh, they've faced incredibly fast pitches before. But what would you have been like at 20 in Yankee Stadium facing a role as Chapman with the game on the line? I don't even mean physically, because physically, obviously, you'd be scared to death out of your mind. But wouldn't you just crumble under that? Int- I mean, when I was 20, I, I, you know, a really hard test was enough to get me to freak out, right? I mean, it was like, this is just so, it's so insane. It's so insane. And I don't know if it is like sort of the, the um, you know, naivete of youth or, or you don't even think about it. You know, maybe maybe athletes just don't have that, you know, maybe that's just not in their brain to like look around and see where they are. But 
I just don't get it. I don't get how you can be 20 and, and have even been able to st- you know stand up and swing a bat, much less it, you know do yeah, that. It's insane. I mean, I saw a quote from him afterwards where someone was like, do you know that pitch was 103 miles an hour? And he kind of laughed and he was like, oh, man, I mean, I've seen 100 before, but I've never seen 103. <laughs> I was like, how, how is that your attitude? How is your attitude not, oh, my God, I'm a, I'm a god. I've I'm been, a god, exactly. I've been placed on earth by a supernatural force to bring – to bring like power and joy to the people. Yeah, exactly. Well, you would, you would be, I mean, basically it would be like, well, first one I've ever seen at 103. So I hit a home run. So apparently I can hit anything for home yeah, run. Like, I know. It could be 120. I could hit for home run. All right. That's a great pick. Um, With my second pick, I'm going to go with just sort of, I, here, here, it's, it's kind of a weird one, but, but it's, but it's sort of made me happy. Um, the whole ninth inning, tenth inning of that game was very, very strange. Both managers kind of seemed out of their element for some weird reason. I didn't really understand. I don't think anybody else did what the Red Sox were doing with their bullpen in the in the top in the top of the ninth. I mean, they kind of you know they got the bases loaded and you know they got Kimbrel and they didn't go with Kimbrel and. And, and it was the whole thing just seemed a little bit strange. And, and uh, you know, the game was tied. The thing that that struck me is I get so into that, and I think so many other people get so into that. They get so into the manager moves and, and matchups and how we do things and whatever. And there was something about that home run that was just so crystal, you know, just so clarifying. And that is... It's just, it's the players. It's the players. That's who wins and loses these games. I mean, we can talk all about strategy and it's fun and I don't ever want to stop doing that. But, you know, the Red Sox didn't do anything right. You know, they just, Rafael Devers hit a home run off her oldest Chapman. I mean, there's you, you. The manager didn't put him in position to do that. There was no nobody like outsmarted anybody. It was just one guy did something amazing, and that really, to me, is at the heart of sports. I think we we allow ourselves to really get caught up in the whole strategy of it. And this was there was nothing strategic about this. He threw a 103 mile an hour fastball and he hit it for a home run. That's it. That's what that's what the game is at its essence. And I there was just something really cool about that. I thought. The only thing I'll add because I agree with you and well played, sir. Well, well, thank shot. you. Thank Great you. Great shot. Thank you. No, no, uh, it was for you. <laughs> that uh, John Farrell did have a decision to make because it was a lefty lefty matchup. The yes, night. he did. That's true. Game, that's true. He could have pinch hit. He could have pinch hit. I don't know whoever. Uh, Cindy Leon was already in the game. He could have hit. I guess Christian Vasquez or somebody for for him because it was a lefty lefty matchup. He decided not to. Now that's true. That's Devers true. has made that decision kind of easy because. He's been hitting really well since he came up, and I'm sure it was one of those moments where he was like, hey, man, ninth inning, Yankee Stadium, down by one, go get him, kid. And he never in a million years thought it would work out this way. But <laughs> but yeah, but ultimately, I think you're right. It's, it is it is a, a wonderful aspect of it is the world of ba- this baseball game lined up to give us that matchup at that moment, and it was a great matchup, and it was wonderful. It was It's like the Troy Percival-Barry Bonds thing in the 2002 yes. World Series. It's like, in a weird way, that's exactly... Now that David Ortiz is gone off the team... In a weird way, that is the matchup that was the most exciting. Like Mookie Betts would have also been exciting, obviously, and Hanley Ramirez would have been exciting. But a 20-year-old rookie in his 15th game in that spot, hitting that, having the chance to hit to to have that happen, that was great. Uh, so well, well done. Now, my number three pick is going to be 
the video that was made <laughs> that I tweeted, I don't know, 11 times in a row or something. Uh, when it when I saw it, it was like two in the morning and I tweeted this video over and over again. The, uh, the handle, it was tweeted out by a, a, at section 10 pod, section 10 pod. But it was a video. We should tag the guy properly who who made the video. Who I believe is the guy in the video. I think handled, it is, which yeah, is awesome. Which his is awesome. Is Joe Joe Z McFly. So J O E Z M C F L Y. It is a self uh, shot video of himself uh, in the I believe the right field bleachers or the center field bleachers at Yankee Stadium. Uh, he is in the foreground. He's very excited about what's about to happen. <laughs> so is everybody around him. <laughs> And I, I don't want to spoil it for you. I think you should just watch it. It's not like nothing insane happens. It's not one of these videos where like a like a, you know, it's a got a crazy twist ending. It's just a Yankee fan really excited about watching Araldis Chapman strike out Raphael Devers in the ninth inning of a one run game. And then the opposite happens. And there are just a there are a number of sort of wonderful things about it. He has a wonderful face. Wonderful. He has the most expressionful face and the most wonderful reactions his friends reactions are great the reactions of the people behind him are great <laughs> everything about it is great the timing of it is great like the like the i've watched it three thousand times you can literally feel ex- you don't hear it because they're way out in center field you can literally hear exactly you can feel the moment the ball is hit because everyone's heads start to follow the flight of the ball <laughs> Uh, I I tweeted at the Peabody Committee and said that I believe yes. Joe Z. McFly yes. should win a Peabody Award. I tweeted to Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, and said that I believe Joe Z. McFly should be uh, given the French Legion of Honor uh, medal, uh, inducted into the French Legion of Honor. I, there is no prize that this man could win uh, that I believe is too hot, is too great or, or noble. I, I tweeted at Trump. And I said, listen, I know you and I have had our differences, but uh, there's, there, you, you can give this guy the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and you should, because uh, that's how wonderful it was. So just the fact that the, the home run led to this video is, is uh, my number three pick. Yeah, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed off of that with my number three pick, because, yeah, first of all, you, you have to go see the video. I assume anybody who's listening to this has, has already seen the video. Uh, if not, do it right now. Just turn this off. Don't, we're not going to say anything good so just go go watch the video because uh, it's so great and it should it should win an oscar and an emmy and a tony it should win everything it should win a, a, the whole thing That's um right. i'm gonna feed off of this first of all the guy doing the video uh and then posting it is yes. like that's the coolest thing that's it's it's enough to make me like look i don't like any yankee fan zero i, I like zero yeah but i like that guy I like that, that, guy, guy. that guy. I love this guy. He, he posted that video. It's the best. But I'm gonna. My thing is gonna be. And you did mention it briefly. There's a woman behind him. And and when you watch it like the third time, just watch her. Uh, there's a woman. She's like, clearly with her boyfriend or husband or whoever it is. And and she, her expression because she doesn't know she's on camera. She has no idea. I mean, I maybe she does. Maybe she can see him holding up the phone or whatever. But she doesn't realize that she's like a fairly prominent you know, person in the background and her expression watching that ball go out and just staring at that spot where the ball went out long after he's already looking at the camera and like kind of just saying like, I can't, this is the worst day of my life. You know, Um, her, she just keeps staring at that spot. And I just thought that is the coolest person. She, that is so awesome. That is somebody who cares so much about the game uh, and 
I, I just loved it. I just so loved. I just watched it over and over again. Just, you know, watching different people. And he is the best. I mean, clearly it's his, he's the star. He's sort of the, you know, he's the, you know, the, the, the director star of the film. Um, but she, she deserves, absolutely deserves a supporting uh, Academy Award because she's fantastic. Just yeah. fantastic. She's, she's great. There's so many great people in it, in the, <laughs> in the margins, in the background. But I, I just want to say thank you. As sincere, this is sincere. This isn't like no. Red Sox fan, razzing Yankee fan. This is a sincere thank you from a human level to Josie McFly for that video. <laughs> that It brought me so much joy. And it, so it was like... Like you said, it's super cool that he posted it because he didn't have to. We could have erased no. it. The world would never have seen it. Lord knows I uh, have a bunch of videos I've made of like hoping that great things will happen in Red Sox games <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then not happening. And uh, it, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful video. And that guy deserves every, uh, every plaudit that anyone can give him. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right, you have the you, fourth no, wait, pick. Oh, that's, so, so the, your third pick. Okay, I got you. I'm All right, so my, I'm going to pick my my fourth pick is going to be that it was at Yankee Stadium. Now this yes, obviously that was, is that was really good. this is a Red Sox thing. Uh, Yankee Stadium, not really this one because this one stinks and it's not horrible. that much stuff has happened there. But Yankee, the concept of Yankee Stadium is a site of misery and horror for Red Sox fans. Uh, so many times we have been on the other end of events like that one of late inning lead, uh, disaster striking, sadness. Even By the way, even after Devers hit the home run, I was 90% sure they were gonna, the Yankees were going to win the game. I, I assumed they were going to walk off in the bottom of the ninth. Like, that is almost always what has happened there. Even in recent times when the Red Sox have on balance been better than the Yankees, generally speaking, you know, it doesn't go the Red Sox way. Um, but the fact that that, hap- that that moment, regardless of whether they'd won or lost, the fact that that moment happened at Yankee Stadium – is was so wonderful and is was so rare. It felt so rare uh, to leave to to end that night with a a sort of come from behind last second win at the stadium. And it's one of those things where like you know you, the the rivalry has not it hasn't gone fallow. It will never go fallow. But it's also certainly not what it was in two thousand three two thousand four, sure. which is as sure. everybody agrees like that was the height of that's the most intense that any sports rivalry has probably ever been in the oh, modern crazy. day. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, in the intervening 10, 12 years, there have been moments and stuff, but there's nothing like Pedro throwing Don Zimmer to the ground because Zimmer was charging <laughs> at him like a crazed bull. There was nothing like, you know, facing, yeah, A-Rod and Clemens versus Pedro and all of those things. Like, there, uh, David Ortiz, uh, you know, game seven at the stadium in, in 2004. There, and what you now hope, with since the Yankees have... Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks and they've got all these guys. Greg Bird is out there somewhere rehabbing his ankle. They have all these young players and they have more coming. Gleyber Torres and all of these young guys. And the Red Sox have Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi. They have a 23-year-old outfield basically and Jackie Bradley Jr. And they have now Rafael Devers. You want you hope that this is the beginning of like a 10-year stretch where the games are dominated by these young guys and to have I mean Chapman is obviously an import but to have one of those guys the youngest guy on the field create a moment like that it felt like who knows down the line maybe we look back and say oh that was the beginning of this phase of this rivalry so 
happening at the stadium is it was a great aspect of that home run. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think it's a really good one, and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna again feed off of yours. Well done, by the way. Well done, friend. Good oh, thank show. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm gonna feed off of yours again because there's something else about this. Now I'm not a Red Sox fan, so so from a personal perspective, it didn't matter to me. Like from that end. Uh, but I am a a Yankee uh, hater, as as uh, I think is aware. Uh, people are aware uh, of that, um, and so there's something about this year's Yankees team, and I know where it's going to end. I, it's going to end with the Yankees winning the World Series and 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 just totally you know making it miserable for the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but up to this point. There is something very, very strange about this Yankees team. They're actually underperforming, like their their numbers, essentially. That's right. You know, like like their Pythagorean theorem, which is basically is you know runs scored, runs against, and you figure out what their win percentage should be, is like significantly better than their actual record. They are they are significantly you know probably seven or eight wins below where they they should be based on how many runs they score and how many runs they allow. They've got, uh, you know, incredible young ta- talent and young stars. Uh, and yet there's not like a vibe. Like it's not, it's weird. It's like, you know, this, this Yankees team, like for the last whatever it is, seven or eight years, the reason the Yankees have been driving us insane is because they should have stunk, certainly the last three years, but they never do because they're the Yankees. And so they just kind of keep overperforming and guys who who have no business playing well end up playing well. And this year is kind of not like that. Like this year, it's it's like Jacoby Ellsbury is Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, it's like he's he's not, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not, we're not talking about Jacoby Ellsbury going, boy, the last, you know, month he's hit 17 home runs. You know, it's, he's, he's having a dreadful year and, and, and probably should be. And, and there's just a different vibe. Like Matt Holiday is not some crazy Matt Holiday, you know? And that's to me summed it up. Like that summed it up. Like that was a game they had won. It was over. They had their guy on the mound at home throwing 103 miles an hour, and then a 20-year-old kid hits the home run. And it just it, it just gives me hope that, like, maybe the, the Yankees are going to be very good. We know that. We've talked about this forever. They're, they're, they have got such a great young uh, nucleus, and their, their minor league system is insane. They're going to be good for a long time, but maybe that Yankee magic thing goes away. The maybe they're just dust. like maybe that right. you're saying that maybe the fairy dust has finally worn off. And I have to say, and I know that the uh, I sound like a crazy person when I talk about this, <laughs> but if you go back and look at, I actually texted you because in the first four innings, the Red Sox I think hit seven balls oh. that were labeled sharply by the right. MLB at bat app, which means basically they're ripped line drives, and every single one of them was an out. They made seven outs in the first four or five innings that were just, in fact, the very first at-bat of the game was Edwin Nunez hit a line drive into the gap in left center field that uh, that Aaron Hicks made an insane, insane. Like, running at top speed, jumping through the air, diving, lunging catch on. And it, it happened over and over again. They were facing a, a, a mediocre pitcher in Jordan Montgomery, and they were hitting ripped line drives deep into the outfield that were either run down or went right at people. 
And it was like, well, yeah, right. This is what happens. Like this is just, <laughs> it just feels like whether it's true or not, it feels like the fairy dust, uh, you know, protecting the Yankees again. And you're right. It felt like, oh, wait, maybe that maybe after 30 consecutive years, maybe who knows? Maybe there was a, a dip in the protective powers of the fairy dust. Well, if they're like a good team, like the Nationals are a good team or if like, you know, I, I, that's tolerable to me. Like, they, look, if you earn it, you earn it. But yeah, I mean, it just feels like it's been uh, it's been a long run of just the Yankees, like every break seemingly going their way, and and obviously Yankee fans, you know, we'll we'll get you know uh, Yankee fans uh, texting us about all the many many things that have gone wrong, whatever. It's not so. I mean, it just it just feels like the the earth is always tilted to the Yankees, and maybe that moment felt like like a yeah, the world maybe the world is evened out. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, so we're up to number five, right? So we are. The fifth, uh, my final pick will be that I was uh, in the midst of putting my son to bed when it happened. I had sort of given up on the game. Matt Barnes had come in and, like, walked everybody and given up a run. <laughs> and I was sort of like, oh, I can't watch this. I think, I think I actually said the words, I can't watch this, out loud to no one, and then walked <laughs> away. And I was sort of putting him to bed, and I couldn't help but I, I walked out of his room and I went into my room to brush my teeth, and I turned on the radio feed. And so I actually experienced that home run by listening to the Red Sox radio announcer, wow. Joe Castiglione, uh, called it. And uh, and that made somehow like that made it feel so old timey, you know, like it felt so like uh, exactly the way it should feel, which is like uh, you know, here first of all, hearing the local announcers instead of the ESPN announcers who do a fine job, but hearing hearing the hometown announcers call that was uh was really wonderful so that's a me specific thing sure. that i loved about the home run that's, but that's still you should. yeah but uh but i loved hearing the radio hearing a radio feed of a home run call is more intense than watching it because you you're waiting you you're at the mercy of the description like it's the ball is in the air you're waiting and waiting and waiting you don't know what's going to happen instead of like if you're watching it on tv you see the outfielder turn around or climb the fence in futility, and you know it's a home run. But here, but listening to it on the radio, it had that moment of genuine, like, I don't know what's going to happen here, and it made it even sweeter. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I look, radio is is fantastic. And you're right. The ESPN announcers, I think, are excellent. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's hearing things like that on the radio, especially the home-time announcer, uh, good for you. That was good. Excellent. Excellent choice. Um my fifth pick is going to be, it's not exactly specific to the home run, but it's specific to what comes after the home run. Um, I have no earthly idea why this happened. Literally, I, I've thought about it way too much, by the way. Um, Joe Girardi, the manager of the Yankees, uh, saw that home run, and, and then you know the Yankees got out of the inning at that point, uh, did not score in the bottom of the ninth uh, in a in a sort of classic way they didn't score because he decided to bunt in the bottom of the ninth to give up. Yeah. He gave up an out. Um, so at that point, of course, uh, you know, I'm like, I wasn't rooting for the Yankees, the Yankees at any point anyway. But of course, at that point, I'm like, well, I don't want them to score now. I mean, you, that's you're bunting in the, it's the American league. You we don't bunt, don't bunt. And so they bunted and tried to score the run. It didn't work. So that was awesome. But here was the thing that, that even blew my mind even more. He sends Chapman out again. Uh, and the top of the 10th inning, which was just bizarre, just bizarre. I mean, I am all for managers stretching their closers 
And I'm all for them putting them in unique positions, like a tie game or whatever the case may be. Um, but why there? Like, that made no... Like, he had just given up a home run to a left-handed batter for the first time, like, in seven years or whatever, six years. And... There was no reason. They, I mean, the, the one thing the Yankees have is like 73 great relievers, right? I mean, their whole bullpen is insane. They're all seven feet tall and throw 1,000 miles an hour. So I, I had no idea what the problem was there. Uh, and he sends him out, and he's terrible. And he and he hits a guy and then walks a guy, and then gets pulled, and the Red Sox win. And I just – there was something about that. Like I just said a moment ago about how managers do not decide games, and they don't. Except when they do and do stupid things like send a roll to Chapman out there in the top of the tenth, and bunt in the bottom of the ninth, I to me that was like it's it like it's like the the baseball gods were like yeah we're gonna give you this incredible moment with Rafael Devers hitting the home run, and then they watched the game and they went oh the Yankees can't win this game I mean not 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 the way he's managing this game and so I love that I love that it, it ended that way and Joe Girardi kind of lost his mind a little bit and uh and then Craig Kimbrell comes in the bottom of the ninth and is just sick I mean bottom of the 10th I guess uh and is just sick and and uh and Red Sox win but I just thought there was did you find that incredibly odd that he said it was very odd yes and it's not like you're like you said it's not like they didn't have options they had right. options and it felt almost punitive. It it really like there's yeah. been a couple, there's been a couple weird moments in Yankee Land recently. You know they benched uh, Gary Sanchez for two days because they said his defense was lacking and he needed to get better on defense. And and that that's a little weird. And <laughs> those two days, I'm sure he worked hard on that defense. Yeah, but it but it was like but it was punitive. It was just like we're not. It, it was one of those like we're sending a message things. And I I really felt like sending Chapman back out there was weirdly like. Go go clean up your mess. Like you the, you got us into this. Go get us out. And he was awful in that he second inning. I mean, oh his his velocity was way down. He couldn't. He was only throwing. It was like it was like in the World Series last year right? when he just was like he could only throw sliders. He couldn't locate his fastball at all. I think at the end of the day, there is a, a like. I mean, the Yankees are on the hook for eighty five million over five years for him, for him. I think they're going to really regret this sign. I agree. I think, I think they're going to have to. They're they're they have three guys. They have three relievers who are arguably better than he is in their pen right now. And I think they're going to. You're going to watch them dump him. He's going to be a salary dump. Maybe they'll keep him around one more year, but they're going to they're going to send him somewhere and pay eighty percent of his salary to just get him off the team because I don't think they I don't think they need him and I don't think they particularly want him around. I I, I agree. First of all, I agree hundred percent on that. But but I think you said something there uh, that really is absolutely the fact we've seen Chapman when he gets overworked. We've seen it. We just yeah. saw it in the world series. That's what happens. I mean, look, I, I don't, I mean, look, we, we all know Roldis Chapman's had some personal issues, uh, you know, the very, very uh, ugly situation that, that, you know, I guess legally has been uh, untangled, but, but very ugly situation. Uh, he's played now for the Yankees. They, they, they traded him to the Cubs. He came back to the Yankees. It's been a very weird run for him. He's not the most lovable character in the world. And it's clear that teammates are, you know, they're, they're, he's, he's sort of off in his own realm. He's a freak of nature. Nobody throws like him. I mean, he's, I, I, I put a, a, a stat, uh, in the Giancarlo Stanton column because I was writing about how Stanton is like this, this oddity, Nobody's more of an oddity than than uh, Chapman. I mean, Chapman, 
I, the, the, the stat I put in was most 101-mile-an-hour fastballs or better or more since StatCast started keeping those numbers. And there was somebody who was in second place who had 199 of them, which is a ton of 101-mile-an-hour fastballs. And Chapman had like 1,129. I mean, he's <laughs> li- literally six times more than anybody else in baseball. Uh, so he's a freak. And he's, you know, if you're the Yankees, don't you have to like make it work? I mean, you're not, you're not getting rid of him. I mean, he's yours now. So I, I thought it felt, I didn't think it felt punitive. I think I thought the, the one thing I thought at the time was maybe he wants to rebuild his confidence. But if that was the case, that's even worse because clearly him in a second inning is just a, it's a loser. It's clearly a loser. We've seen it happen now, yeah. and. When he hit the guy, when he hit Jackie Bradley, I'm like, well, don't leave him out there still. And he still left him out there. And uh, it, was it was weird. It, it they was. were they were very lucky to get away with only giving up one run in the in the 10th. Because yeah, they, they really were. Um, well, that I mean, that's that's 10. What is that? 10 great things about that. Did you and, do your last one? I can't remember. I did. That was my last okay. one was was the uh, was there. They sent him out. Ten great things about that home run, and there's there's probably a thousand more. There are a thousand more. It was it was the cool. It's it's the home run of the year, right? I mean, there's no question about that, right? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Stanton probably in the time we've been talking has hit three more, <laughs> and one of them might have gone six hundred feet and and passed it. But uh, yeah, so far, I mean, in terms of like not not just the the actual matchup, but the situation, it's got to be the home run of the year so far. I would say, it's, yeah, it's awesome. All right, time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, nor Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa, it's one last whoa. And uh, who's going first this time? Uh, I think I did last time, so you go ahead. All right, I'll go first. My, I, I got something meaningless. So I think I've actually even said this on the podcast maybe years and years ago. Uh, years uh, ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago, uh, we were celebrating uh, Christmas, and um, we were giving out gifts, and it was it was in the days when we used to – kind of all give out gifts and now we don't do that we just do it for the kids but but we were all giving out gifts and my uh brother-in-law and sister-in-law uh had this thing wrapped for me this gift um and i opened it and it is it is without question and i i say this with great love to to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law the single stupidest gift that any human being has ever gotten me they got me an executive fly swatter that's literally what they got me. So an executive fly swatter is like uh, it's got like like little sort of weird fly swatter gadgets on it. Like like if you on the very bottom, there's like something you can pull out, uh, like a little thing, like a little plug that you can pull out, and it gives you <laughs> a pair of tweezers to like I guess pick up the fly. I guess afterward. Um, and there's a couple of other things like that. And and I got this years ago and, and I've made fun of it many, many times. And, and, and you know, I, I just thought that's the weirdest, 
you know, most ridiculous gift. It's been 15 years, and I, I still have that fly swatter. I don't have any other gift that I've gotten <laughs> in the last 15 years. There's no question. There's not even It's not even close. And not only do I have it, like, I needed it. Like, the other day, uh, you know, a couple of flies got in, as, as they will, and and the girls are like, ah, oh, they're freaking out because they're, you know, they're, they still are afraid of flies. Um, I pulled out the executive fly swatter and got rid of the flies, and it worked. It's it, it super effective. I used the little tweezers to, to take the fly away. And uh, I'm just going to have to give like major apologies uh, for, for, for ever questioning that gift. That gift has absolutely uh, lasted. It's like a movie you see and then you see it 15 years later and it's so much better than you remembered it being uh, for the executive fly swatter. Uh, that's pretty meaningless. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta feel like I went. Uh, the, I, while I went while you were, by the way, while you were uh, telling us that meaningless thing, uh, the Yankees had a three-run lead over the Mets. They brought in our uh, old friend Araldis Chapman to close out the game. He gave up a two-run homer to Ahmed Rosario, his second of the year, before getting the final out. Uh, had to throw 20, 23 pitches. Uh, gave up a single and a home run, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. We'll track. The, we'll continue happening. to track this story on the <laughs> midsummer, mid-August MLB check-in roundup. Uh, I love it. <laughs> my, my meaningless thing is that uh, I think I have also talked about in the past on this podcast the fact that I've gotten back into sunflower seeds. Yes, uh, thanks to my son's youth baseball games. Here's you want to hear something truly meaningless. Of course, my whole life. The sunflowers, the brand of sunflower seeds you use are David. Everybody knows that. David, David sunflower seeds. I didn't even know there were another. I didn't know there was another brand. Well, guess get ready for something truly meaningless, friend. (laughs) Because I recently, I went to a tournament game and they had them for sale and the brand was called Spitz, which is gross. (laughs) S-P-I-T-Z. Spitz. And they come in a bunch of different flavors. There's like pickle flavor and there's salt pepper flavor, right? So I'm like, no, no, I don't want that. Just give me the regular salted ones. And I have them, and I gotta say, I'm considering defecting to spit. No, yeah, no. I'm not, it's not definite yet. But like, there are there the David ones are so salty, and They're they do have salty. they have reduced sodium ones that are less salty. But even the reduced sodium ones, when you eat a lot of them, like the inside of your cheek starts to get like desiccated yeah. by the salt. And the Spitz ones are lower in salt, and they're pretty good. And I've been eating them recently, and I, I might. I'm not. It's unofficial. I'm not. I'm not ready to, to uh, completely abandon, make an announcement about brand loyalty yet. But I am seriously considering defect. This is like basically, will Lonzo Ball go with Nike or Big Baller? Right. Brand? That's exactly that's, what it's at that level. I think. And, and so I'm gonna next week. I'll give you an update on whether I have officially abandoned David for Spitz. I, I, I'm, first of all, I'm appalled. I'm appalled that this is even, (laughs) this is even a consideration. Okay. That's, that's first of all. Second of all. So as we, as we, as we deal with this, uh, this, this fiasco, do the people who like their name is obviously Spitz. Right, I mean, I know, I, no, I, I don't know, but I believe that it's like a, a clever joke on the fact that you spit out the shell. Well, like, right, I right, assume, right. Yeah. I, know, I, I would imagine that's true, but I'm saying, uh, but their name is probably Spitz, also, which makes me wonder if that was the inspiration for 
for doing this. I mean, like, like their what, name like is like our already, last name is Spitz. What do we do with our right? Well, like like lives? like you certainly know about Wetzel's pretzels, right? And I've asked Dan Wetzel, the the super sports writer for Yahoo, uh, if he's related. And apparently, he knows the Wetzel guy. And that guy's name was Wetzel. He's like, well, there's nowhere else to go with this other than with a right. pretzel. So I wonder if the Spitz people were like, eh, you know, we we like a lot of different kinds of food items, but this really makes the most sense to us. I will. I'm going to do some research and I'll report back. I want to hear back. I want to hear back. All right. Before we go, we do have to say one last thing because this is very, very important. Uh, If you are a regular listener to the podcast, which would be the only way you would be this far into the podcast, you are aware that that Michael and I have done a you make the call um, uh, sort of segment. segment, Right. Right. Which which involved, you know, for a while there it involved a couple of Michael's. Uh, son's games, but then I threw one in there from a friend of mine whose son, and we had one that was very controversial because we came up with the wrong decision, which was a guy's on second base, first and second, the guy on second base is forced out, if you if he's still standing on the bag, can you tag him out? And we both got the answer wrong. The answer is you can tag him out uh, as long as he's being forced, even if, even if he's standing on the bag. This happened! This happened in a no, Rays Blue really? Jays game, like last night, literally last night, it happened in a Rays Blue Jay game, and the umpire blew the call. Okay, which makes me feel so great. They reviewed it and and changed it, but the guy blew the call, and the Blue Jays guy blew the call. He stepped on the bag first, which took the force uh, took off the of force the guy away. on second, and then he tried to tag the guy who was standing on second. Of course, at that point, he is safe because there's no force anymore. So the whole thing happened. Can you even? Why aren't those people listening to the podcast? I, I mean, uh, yet another reason that all Major League <laughs> Baseball players and umpires should be tuning in every week. I, I mean, if, if you, you're, you're just hurting yourself if you're not yeah, listening point, to the podcast. At this point, it, it's almost like malpractice for you not to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think people are going out there. They're saying, look, you can't be a serious umpire. If you don't listen to the podcast, it's I think professional that's... misconduct is what it is. It's, it should be ground for dismissal from your job. <laughs> I think that's fair. In fact, I think that should be our slogan. Not listening should be grounds for dismissal. <laughs> that's the official official <laughs> slogan of this. Insane... We, we came up with an official player and an official slogan. And I think our new best segment, which is mid-August mid-August Major League Baseball <laughs> spin around the league roundup segment check in awesome. check so, in there's a so check in week, there let's, somewhere let's remind ourselves of this so next week we have to we'll, we'll do another mid, mid-August mid uh, baseball roundup we, next we'll week have a, I will quiz you next week I get great, to quiz you you quiz me we'll do a Tommy Pham update <laughs> on his quest uh, which is our quest to have him hit 300, 400, 500 for the year and we'll uh, talk about the 10 home runs that uh, that uh, Stanton Carlos Stanton will hit between them. That's right. Yeah. All awesome. right, good. Well, as <laughs> always, Michael, thank you. Thanks for having me.